Hello and welcome to episode 500 of the Veg Grower podcast. My name's Richard and I am trying to grow all my own food in my allotment and my back garden and trying to live a more sustainable lifestyle. And I invite you each week to join me on my journey. Now in today's episode we've got a lot to cover. We'll start with an update from my allotment with what I've been up to down there this week. Then we'll dive into No Mo May campaign and talk about how it can benefit your vegetable garden. And after that I'll share some highlights from my own vegetable garden. It's got a lot to get through so let's head down to the allotment. Today is Sunday the 7th of May 2023 and I am down on the allotment. Now you might be wondering why I haven't mentioned yesterday being Saturday the 6th of May. Well obviously it was the King's coronation and um, I was kind of intrigued to see history in the making. But added to that it was also a very wet day so I didn't get any gardening done yesterday. But this morning I came down to the allotment and I've been lucky with the weather all throughout this week. I've managed to come down every night of the week after work and do a few bits, mainly weeding. Now I spent pretty much every night doing a bit of weeding and I've got to say it has been so worthwhile. The allotment is just looking all the more better for me doing this constant weeding routine. As you know weeding is something I certainly battle with a lot so trying to keep on top of it is always a challenge. But as I've said before by doing it often but not spending a huge amount of time does make all the difference. Now, added to that, Thursday I mowed the grass areas, which of course the grass was added to a mulch. And then on Friday I went round all the beds and gave them a good feed, just using an organic grow more fertiliser. I try and do all my feeding on a Friday now, with the phrase, feed it Friday, to remind me it's feeding day. And just having a regular feeding routine does help a lot with gardening, of course. Now, today I managed to come down here this morning and I was expecting it to rain, but luckily it hasn't rained. First of all, I went into the greenhouse and watered the tomato plants in there. I always leave a couple of watering cans of water inside the greenhouse so that when I arrive here, that's the first thing I do. And that water is warmed up to the temperature of the greenhouse so it doesn't shock our tomato plants. I've got to say, the tomato plants on the inside of a greenhouse are doing really, really well and I'm expecting soon them to start putting flowers on. Now I went outside and just did a little bit of weeding just to carry on with the whole thing that I say I'm weeding on a daily basis. But then I followed that up with by erecting my bean supports. Now I am planning on growing lots of French and runner beans and I've started sowing the seeds at home. Generally speaking I don't sow the seeds in place because I find that they can get eaten by mice or rats. So I prefer to start them off at home in root trainers and then in a couple of weeks time once they are grown and risk of frost has passed we can plant them down. But I just wanted to get the supports built. Now the traditional thing that many people will use for building supports is bamboo and I've used these many times in the past. My granddad used to have bamboo growing in the bottom of his garden so I always had a free supply of bamboo. 
But when I've gone around some of the stately homes and seen what they use, it gave me an idea. And that's because they often use hazel. Now, I have a hazel tree grown in my corner of my allotment, which is a great tree. It should provide us with hazelnuts, although I would get very, very few hazelnuts from it, to be honest. But what I really use it for is it, I coppice it. Each winter, I take out a few of the longer thicker stems and then I put those to one side to dry out and then I use those prunings to make my bean supports. Now these are pretty big supports. Some are about eight foot tall, 2.4 meters. So they're a good length. Some of the smaller ones get used as well for the smaller plants or even peas. So I like these. I really do like them. I think they look better than bamboo. They're a free supply that I actually have growing on my allotment. I've got to prune the hazel tree anyway, otherwise it gets too big. So I'm putting it all to use. And this is, for me, one of the great things that I like about hazel. I also think the supports look better as well. Now, I haven't done mine in wigwams. I've done them in rows. Uh, reason being, I just find that the rows are easier for me to look after. I can still get the hoe in between the beds, I can still get plants in there and so on. So I'm very very happy with what I've done so far and the bean supports being built is just going to be a great start. As I said in a couple of weeks time we are going to get our beans, our French beans, our runner beans down here and growing and this entire bed is just going to be French runner beans. Now I did the same with my peas as well but all I did because the pea sticks are only about two three foot tall they're not huge ones I've just stuck them straight in the ground and I've been able to put them in closer together and use smaller ones so I've got quite a few in here. I've had a real trouble with peas this year I've planted lots of seeds in the past. Some have germinated or the germination has been very, very poor, particularly at home. So again, what I'm doing with the peas is I'm sowing those in my greenhouse to get them started in my root trainers and then they will come down here to go out in this bed. So next two weeks, everything will suddenly come together. Now I've also removed my purple sprouting broccoli. Now it was time for that to come out and I haven't wasted it. I take the plants back to my chickens so that they can eat those and they will thoroughly enjoy munching on those purple sprouting broccoli plants. <laughs> Effectively turning them into manure is the way I look at it too. Again, this whole thing that I say, nothing really gets wasted here. Now, talking of nothing getting wasted, it is May, and I spoke about mowing the grass areas, something I have to do on the allotment. But at home, I am tackling no mow May in order to encourage your bees. But I've got a few other ideas of what I'm doing as well, and why. So, that's going to come up in just a moment. Last year I took part in a campaign known as No Mow May and it's a very simple idea. Basically throughout the month of May we do not mow our lawns in order to encourage wildflowers to grow on our lawns that provide habitat and food for a wide range of wildlife. Now what we found is that the dandelions and the daisies they grew really really well throughout May and we did see an increase in things like bumblebees and hoverflies come along which then led to better pollination on our tomatoes and our fruit bushes etc etc. So it was a great success in that site. 
But this year I've decided I am tweaking it slightly because last year we did find a few drawbacks. Now the first drawback that I personally found is that because the grass was getting long, when I did tend to the vegetable patches, it was a little bit difficult in that my clothes were getting wet if it rained or dirty and, and so on. Now, I've got to admit, I'm not exactly the cleanest person. I, I like to get stuck in, but because I do do some work in the garden before I go to work, it just needs to be a little bit more efficient for me. So around the vegetable garden, I am actually going to be cutting the lawn in order to make paths. Now in the main lawn, which is getting smaller and smaller each year, but in the main lawn area, I'm just going to leave an area to go wild and grow long. Everywhere around it, I will be cutting the grass like normal. Now this may not exactly be what everyone wants to do. It may not even go in with the no mow may. But the other reason that I want to do this is that I've had a few discussions with quite a few people and we all feel that the idea behind this is to encourage the people that their gardens are just lawns. We as vegetable gardeners or gardeners in general tend to have things in flower all year round. So we're already providing insects and pollinators with food and habitat anyway. So we, we kind of feel it's more for those boring gardens, I want to say, that are just lawn. But we also feel that, if, yeah, great, leave the lawn to go mad, provide all this habitat and food throughout the month of May. But come June, when you do cut the lawn, all that supply has gone. And that isn't going to work out great for the habitat that is in our gardens. Now, the other negative point that has been raised with us, and I found this last year, is that Roxy got a tick. Now, not from our garden, but from other areas out and about when we've been walking, where things like deers and foxes roam as well. The long grass is uh, somewhere for ticks to also infest and attack our dogs. So we were also a bit concerned about that for our chickens and for our dog. So that is why we are having paths that we are going to be mowing and just leaving a small area to grow long on our lawn. But added to that, I am building a wildlife area at the top corner of the vegetable patch. Now this is a very simple area. It's not particularly big. It's got a tabby bush growing in there and underneath that tabby bush the soil is a pretty bare and nothing grows. The tabby bush will be staying because it's a source of fruit for us and for the wildlife. There's flowers and it's, it's a spiky plant so it protects a lot of the wildlife as well. But underneath that, I have sunken an old washing up bowl in the ground. Now, I've chosen a washing up bowl because it's a pretty cheap thing that to have. And I filled that up with water and it is forming a wildlife pond. I've added a, a few ramps out of tiles to allow things like frogs and toads and newts to get in and out. Now, these frogs, toads, they're going to help with the slug and snail population. So it's great for that. And if you do want to encourage wildlife into your gun, a wildlife pond is one of the best ways to do it. Now, because of the cost of living crisis, everything that I'm doing is going to be on the cheap for that very reason. If we didn't mow lawn, well, that's one way to encourage wildlife for free because you're saving money by not having to mow the lawn. Price of a washing up bowl is a couple of quid, so not very much money at all. And in fact, I'm sure you could probably get something for free if you looked around enough. 
Now, around this wildlife pond, I'm also sowing a load of wildflower seeds. Now, I've sown wildflower seeds in the past, and I've had a lot of trouble with them germinating. So hopefully, because this soil is pretty poor, wildflower seeds tend to do better in poor soil. So hopefully, this soil should help for the wild seeds to germinate. Added to that, I've also done a few broken terracotta pots to act as extra shelters for some of the frogs and snails. And I've also left some stones to act as sunbathing stones for some other wildlife as well. So it's only a small area. It's about two metres long by a metre wide. But I think that will host a lot of wildlife, which is ultimately what we want. I've also erected quite a few birdhouses. Now, I've always had birdhouses in my garden anyway. I find that encouraging birds into the garden is something that I always do. Obviously, when we're in a bird flu lockdown, it was a bit difficult. But by erecting bird houses and leaving out bird food, we get the birds come into the garden. They tend to also help with the slugs and snails. They'll come along and eat those slugs and eat those snails, as well as the food that we're leaving out. So the, the bit of a benefit for that too. Now you might be wondering what am I doing on the allotment? Am I doing no mow may on the allotment? Well unfortunately if I left the grass to grow long on the allotment I would get complaints from the council. So I've got to cut the grass down on the allotment regularly anyway. Added to that I do use the grass for mulch and that's quite important at this time of year. So what I've done instead, behind one of the sheds, I many years ago I built a bug hotel out of old pallets and stones and just a collection of things that would sit in that area and I have not touched that area. This is at the very top of the allotment where it's been a bit difficult to look after anyway. Nettles have came into that area as well and they're growing like mad. So the nettles are good for encouraging butterflies onto the allotment anyway. Added to that, I also have comfrey growing in a few places. Now, comfrey is a great plant for encouraging bees. The flowers just attract bees. And it's a great plant to have on allotment anyway. Comfrey is great for a number of reasons. It makes a great feed. It can grow pretty big and it can be quite invasive. But on a whole, for attracting bees, it is a great plant. Borage could also be grown. That's another great plant and it's also a herb, so it gets two uses. And other plants like dill are also very good for attracting bees and butterflies and, and, and being edible as well. So down on the allotment, it is very much a case of leaving it to its own devices and dealing with what I already have. As I said, I can't mow the lawn. I'm not allowed ponds either. So those two things alone are a bit of a drawback. But the great thing about allotments is that they are a haven for a wide range of wildlife. They are known to be one of the areas of the UK to have the most amount of different types of wildlife. And if you think about it, every single allotment plot has grown something different. So there's a wide range of different plants, different flowers, different varieties, which is just going to lead to different wildlife too. That is what I'm doing for No Mow May and encouraging the wildlife into my garden. The benefit, of course, is that they're going to help pollinate a lot of my vegetables. So hopefully we get better crops. We get more yield of our tomatoes, our courgettes, our strawberries and so on. And I'm sure it is going to be a big benefit. But if you are taking part in No Mow May, then please do let me know what you notice. And if you do anything other than what I've said to encourage wildlife in your garden, 
also get in touch and share what you are doing with me too. Right, let's find out what else has been happening here in the vegetable garden. Well, today is Monday the 8th of May 2023 and I'm just inside my greenhouse here at home. Now I'm in here at the moment because it's just started raining, which is annoying. Rain basically meant on Saturday that I couldn't do anything in the garden. Today was a little bit better and we've managed to tackle quite a few things, particularly the uh, wildlife garden that you've just heard me talking about. Now luckily during the week I'm actually able to do a few more bits and pieces in the garden. What I tend to do is I get up in the morning and I will do an hour's gardening before I go to work. And I usually start off in the kitchen, I'll sow some seeds and prick out some seeds into pots that I've set up the night before. And then I'll bring some of those out to the greenhouse uh, where I will continue doing a bit more pricking out and potting up. And I move some more plants out to my cold frame. Now, some of the plants that I've actually moved outside are my tomato plants. And I decided about Thursday last week to see if they would cope actually outside out of the cold frame. So what I did is I took two of the Gardener's Delight plants, I've got about 15 of the plants, but I took two of them and I popped them outside and kept a close eye on them. They seem to do okay, so on Sunday morning I took all the Gardener's Delight plants and put those completely outside. And so far they seem to be doing okay. So I think throughout this week we might be able to plant up some of our tomato plants outside. I've still got peppers and chilies which are in this greenhouse for the time being but at least plants are starting to go outside which is freeing up space inside this greenhouse. Now something I did do and I was pushing the limit a bit with this is I've actually planted a tomato plant into one of the straw bales in order to start the straw bale gardening cycle. It was pretty easy to plant actually. I sort of stuck my fingers in and I can say the straw bales were nice and wet. But I stuck my fingers in, I spread apart the straw and I've pushed the plant in and it seems to be doing okay. Obviously it's still early days because I only planted it up today but I'm very happy with it nonetheless. Now in the greenhouse last week I sowed a load of sweet corn and that has all germinated and is actually growing really really nicely. We did these last Sunday so in just over a week a lot of them has germinated. I'm looking at them right now and I can see there are a lot of little green shoots which is good. They're soon going to need to go out and I want to grow a lot of sweet corn this year to go in the beds down on the allotment. Now added to that, I have got several hanging baskets in here of strawberries and they really are looking good. This last week they seem to have really put on plenty of growth as well as plenty of flowers. So hopefully pretty soon we're going to start getting some strawberries which is going to be delicious and, and fantastic. I just love the fact that they are growing really, really well. Now today I went around the garden and I just cleared out more and more weeds which is a, a never-ending job. It's something that we always have to do. It's one of the jobs that I don't like doing but it is a necessary job. Of course all those weeds end up going in the compost bin for making my compost so there is that side to it. 
But what I've also done is I went to my large veggie pod. This is a new veggie pod. And in that veggie pod, what I've discovered is that a lot of the plants are grown really, really well. Spinach, for example, we're making several harvests of spinach each week, which is great. We've actually used the spinach in quite a few recipes. One of those will be coming up a little bit later on. But what we've also found is the beetroot is grown really, really well. We finished off all the radish and the radish, the beetroot and the spinach was all sown at the same time. But luckily, my second sowing of radish is now coming into play and it won't be long until we start harvesting those. I've probably got to sow some more radish seeds pretty soon as well to follow those up. But what I also found is that the carrots that I sowed in March, they are growing really, really well. In fact, I had to thin them out. Now, thinning out is one of those really tedious jobs. It's a job that has to be done. The idea being that when you sow a load of carrot seeds and they all come up, they're a bit too close together. They're bunched up nice, quite tight. So you remove a few of the extra carrot seedlings in order to leave the ones that are left behind enough room to grow. So that was what I was doing. Now, the, the thinnings, the ones that I removed, usually carrots don't like to be transplanted. So what I figured I would do is, as I removed those, I've replanted those in another area. And the idea being that we want to see if they will actually take. I know that garden centres will sell things like carrots ready to be transplanted but I'm always on the understanding that they are never very good at transplanting so I want to find out if that is actually the case by doing it myself. I'm pleased to say that the parsnips have actually germinated in the veggie pod as well which is great but what I've noticed out in the main bed the carrots and the parsnips and the radish that were all sown at the same time are not showing any signs of life. So compared to the veggie pod, the veggie pod seems to have got them started a little bit earlier. Now it could be the hard clay soil that I have outside that is causing the slow germination. I'm not sure, but I'm going to keep a close eye on it. I'm going to have to make re of carrots and parsnips because I want to make sure I'm able to get carrots and parsnips. I've also taken some of my celery seedlings and I've planted those out. I've planted some of those in my veggie pod and some of those in the bed as well. And I hope that that's going to enable them to grow. This is the plan at the moment. Just getting everything to grow and planted out is the main thing that we're going to be doing over the next few weeks. But I'm, I'm desperate to grow all these vegetables, celery, tomatoes, everything that I'm listing. I'm all desperate to really grow this year. And I feel like this year is going to be a very, very productive year. I'm certainly feeling it at the moment already. Now, one of the other plants that I've moved out to the greenhouse where I'm still at the moment is my cucumber plants. I've grown several varieties of cucumber this year, and what I've had to do is I've pricked them out and then brought them out to the greenhouse. And what I'm going to be doing is I've placed all these pots of cucumbers in a tray so that I can water from the tray and allow the water to suck up. What I find with cucumbers and pumpkins and things like that is that they don't like the stem getting wet because that can lead to the stem rotting away and you losing a plant. So I find that by placing the pots in tray of water it tends to work better at sucking water up. So that's what I do here in the greenhouse. 
Now added to that, on Saturday I actually sowed a couple of pumpkin seeds. Now the variety was Crown Prince and I decided to do that variety because of the coronation. Now I only sowed two seeds that I've called Charles and Camilla just for a bit of fun. These are going to grow down the allotment eventually in the composting beds that I've built but I just wanted to get those started now and we will see how they get on. As I said, it's in full swing at the moment. A lot of the beans and peas seeds are all being sown at the moment. We're just waiting for a lot of these to start to germinate so that they can move on. I do think we're going to be planting these out pretty soon as well. I think the weather is now turning for the best. Right, but as I said, we have got a recipe using a spinach coming up. And uh, let's go find out what that is. But first of all, I've got a message that I've been left that I want to play you guys. Hi Richard, Gary here, a long time listener. I just wanted to leave a voicemail to congratulate you on 500 episodes, an amazing achievement. I don't know when I started listening to you, but it's been several years, and since then I've heard every single episode, and they've all been entertaining, informative and inspiring. I just wanted to take a moment to thank you for doing what you do. I'm looking forward to listening to many more podcasts in the future. All the best, Richard. Well, I want to thank Gary for leaving me that voicemail. It is, well, it almost made me cry, if I'm honest with you, when I heard that. It's, it was a bit overwhelming. 500 episodes of a Veg Grower podcast. It is an amazing achievement, considering most podcasts don't even make it past 10 episodes. So 500 is a pretty big achievement. Now, I, I'm not making too much of a song and dance about it at the moment. I mean, I'm saying it now, but in about six weeks' time, I think it is, in the, in the beginning of July, we're actually having our 10-year anniversary. So I'm not making much of a fuss about the 500 episode because I'm going to make up for it in a 10-year anniversary. But I still want to acknowledge it at the same time. So thank you so much, Gary, for sending that in. Truly appreciate it. And if anybody does want to leave any voicemails like that, then please do head to the vegegrowpodcast.co.uk and hit the leave a voicemail button. And that'd be great, especially as we're coming up to our 10 year anniversary. It would be great to get a lot of good voices on that episode. Now, as always, I like to finish off with a recipe. And because with the King's Coronation has featured so heavily this week, I think it's only right to give the coronation quiche a bit of a mention. Now, we actually made this and it is a very tasty quiche. It's very, very different. And added to that, a lot of the things that we have used are available from our garden. So what we did is we, we made our normal pastry, which we easy to do, so easy to do. And we placed that in the bottom of our pan, a quiche pan, and just blind baked it for about 20 minutes. Then after that 20 minutes, we basically, in a bowl, we mixed together 125ml of milk, 175ml of double cream, two medium eggs, a tablespoon of chopped fresh tarragon, 100 grams of grated cheddar, 180 grams of cooked spinach. This is spinach that we got from our garden. We cooked it, squeezed out all the water, and then added that chopped up into this mix, and then 60 grams of cooked broad beans. Now, broad beans, unfortunately, aren't quite available at the moment, but it won't be long. We then took that mixture, mixed it all together, 
and then place that into the pastry dish on top of the pastry that is already in there. We then cook that in the oven, gas mark five, for 30 minutes. Now, we, after 30 minutes, I checked on it and made sure it, it, it all set. Sometimes with quiche, 30 minutes is enough. Sometimes it might need a little bit longer. I give it a wobble, and if it looks solid, then I know it is usually pretty good. We took it out of the oven and served it. It was delicious. And I've got to say, it is well worth doing, especially in honour of the coronation this weekend so give it a try i have added a link to this in the show notes if you are looking to try it yourself well i hope you have enjoyed this podcast this week if you have then please do leave us a review on your podcast service that goes a long way to helping us get found and get new listeners now added to that if you have really enjoyed this podcast and you would like to support the work that we do then please consider becoming a supporting member it's very very easy head to the vegagrowpodcast.co.uk which is our website and click on join a supporting member for it, i charge five pound a month it's a subscription service each month you will receive a collection of seeds that can be sown that very month as a thank you for your support and I also share extra behind-the-scenes podcasts of what's going on here at the VegGrow Podcast HQ and delivered straight to your email inbox. So please do consider becoming a supportive member. As I said, it really does help keep the website and the podcast running, which is a real big help for me. Now, don't forget, you can email me, richard at uk, and you can visit the website as well, leave a comment, leave a voicemail, or you can find us on social media too. Just search for the Veg Ground Podcast. We will be back again next time. So until then, please take care.